Uh, but we've come around the Word of God this morning, so you can go on ahead, take out your Bible apps or your sermon notes. Uh, we're going to go straight to God's Word. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21 to uh, verse 20 to 30. I'm going to be preaching from that text this morning. Here's what it says. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found them uh, among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka where they praised the Lord. This is why it is, it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over the enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his, his God had given him rest on every side. God bless the reading of his word uh, this morning. Today's message is titled, Fight Different. Fight Different. You know, oftentimes we all go through a bit of a battle or we go through a bit of a fight, a season of battling and fighting. Whilst we may all know what it's like to battle and to have to fight in life, no one fight or battle looks the same. Not only that, but the battles look different. My battle looks different from your battle, and it looks different from his battle, and it looks uh, different from her battle. But the funniest thing about us human beings is how when we often come out victorious from a battle that we fought, we shift into formula mode, and we say, if I can just keep applying this formula here in this battle over here, then surely I'll be able to come out victorious. We say things like, if I could just apply the, uh, this, this battle formula that I won addiction over, over here in anger, then surely I could come out victorious. If I could just fight temptation the way I fought financial breakdown over here, then surely I'm going to overcome it. And so we start applying formulas and we apply the same strategy over and over and over and over again. For example, when you're trying to fight the battle of waking up early, you would probably need to set an alarm. And so if you're wanting to leave home at eight o'clock, you'd probably set your alarm for 6.30 a.m. because that'll give you enough time to get up, do what you need to do, your morning routine, get dressed and go. Now imagine that one morning you woke up and you looked at the time and it was 7.30 and you realized I've slept right through the, the alarm clock. If you're anything like me, you will probably set a second alarm for 7 a.m. And so then imagine waking up again and you look at your alarm clock and you've not only slept through the 6 a.m. but you've slept through a 6.30 a.m. 
you sleep through the 7 a.m. alarm clock. So if you're anything like me, you do another alarm clock for 7, <laughs> for 7.30 a.m. And what happens is you just keep on doing this, adding these alarms, adding these alarms, adding these alarms. So now you've got an alarm for 6.30 a.m., 7 a.m., and 7.30 a.m. You are trying to apply the same battle strategy that's no longer working. A battle strategy that's dead, you are trying to apply an old battle strategy to the fight when in reality, the battle has no longer become about waking up early. The battle is actually about getting to bed early. And so while you can keep adding alarm after alarm after alarm after alarm, it ain't gonna happen unless you decide to fight differently and just get yourself to bed early. You know, I grew up in a household full of major disciplinarians. My parents were huge disciplinarians and it was normal back in the day when, when I grew up to smack your children, you know, for, for acting out or being naughty. Not so much these days. But what I realized is that Pacific Island parents have a gift in reverse psychology. <laughs> Because they would smack you and then they would say, hey, why are you crying? Why are you crying? What's wrong? Like they didn't just fall on, smack you, you know? And so what, what happens is uh, this warrior fighter starts to rise up on the inside of the you know, seven-year-old me and you start to resent your parents a little bit. And before you know it, the smack no longer hurts. They no longer, the smacks no longer bother you no more. But I can remember clearly this one time, my dad having smacked me after wagging school, right in the middle of the smack, he sat down and he looked me in the face and he said, I don't know what else I'm gonna say to you. And in that moment, I looked into the eyes of a man who was tired, who was just frustrated, who had simply had enough, a man who was probably tired of trying to do this thing the way that his father showed him how to do it. And he's realizing that it's not actually working because just because it worked for his dad doesn't mean it's gonna work for him. He started to discipline us differently. He started to fight differently. Instead of trying to beat the naughty out of us, he began to speak to the positive of who we could be, the potential that we had. Spoke about why what I was doing was hurting him. He chose to fight differently. You see, too many people are stuck in a battle today that they think they're gonna win with a strategy that was catered for yesterday's battle. And so what happens is when we keep on trying and trying and trying and, and doing it and it ain't working, we just feel tired. We become discouraged. We become worn out. We become uh, you know, dismayed and we start thinking there is something wrong with me. I'm, there's something wrong with how I'm wired. When in reality, the problem is with how you're fighting the battle. And so what we need is a battle strategy that's going to outlast the test of time, a strategy that's a one time for all battles that we'd ever face in life. Let's encourage ourselves with the word of God. I wanna introduce you to a guy by the name of King Jehoshaphat. He was a ruler at the time of today's text and he was a ruler over Judah. He was known as a great man. He followed in the, uh, he, he, he um, led the people of Israel in the ways of the Lord. He followed after his dad's footsteps. The Bible said that he made every effort to establish places in the nation of Judah where they were able to teach the word of God, but also he brought down many monuments and, uh, and, and uh, these different altars that were put up uh, for, for idol worship. But as you read these three chapters dedicated to the story of his reign, you'll find this beautiful juxtaposition because when you place the first battle next to the second battle that he fought, uh, you read and you find so many good things to encourage us in our walk. And so this morning, I wanna speak on two important things that we can learn from the two battles during Jehoshaphat's reign. The first thing is alignment. 
The first thing that we know about King Jehoshaphat is that he chose to align himself with King Ahab. He chose to align himself with the wrong thing. Israel was now split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. The northern kingdom was ruled by a wicked man by the name of Ahab. And the southern kingdom was ruled by King Jehoshaphat, who walked in the ways of the Lord. King Jehoshaphat made an alliance with an evil king, Ahab, by having his son marry Ahab's daughter. That's got red flags written all over it. King Jehoshaphat went to visit the evil king Ahab, and the Bible says that Ahab put on this massive feast for him. He slaughtered all of these sheep, these goats, and uh, all of these uh, this cattle just for King Jehoshaphat. Now, while they were there, the evil king Ahab asked King Jehoshaphat to join him in battle against Ramoth Gilead, which was a part of, of the north of Israel that had actually been taken away but not restored back to Israel. And so King Jehoshaphat said, of course we will. I will align myself with you and we will go into battle to win back Ramoth Gilead. The thing you need to understand about Ahab was that he was married to Jezebel, who was considered to be the most evilest woman in the Bible. Jezebel was a pagan princess of a man from Tyre. She persuaded Ahab to build altars dedicated to false gods. Not only that, but King Ahab was the kind of guy who got exactly what he wanted. One day, he offered his neighbor uh, the choice to either go and find another place to, you know, to, to purchase land or find another place to place his garden, or he could actually sell his land to Ahab for money. But when the neighbor refused to do that, Jezebel organized to have him kill so that her husband could have that land. And so here we have King Jehoshaphat, a man who would have known what God's word says about pagan, uh, pagan worship, a man who tore down pagan idols and monuments, a man who followed in the footsteps of his father is choosing to make an alliance with a man who worships false gods. And many scholars of the Bible say that the justification that Jehoshaphat offers for entering into this alliance is repeated twice in the book of 2 Kings and here in 2 Chronicles. He says, I am as thou art, my people are thy, as thy people. In other words, Jehoshaphat valued goodwill and getting along and keeping the peace over genuine faith and objective truth. And so he makes an alliance with an evil man. Alliances were a big thing in the Bible. Alliances uh, were uh, by way of diplomatic marriages like we, re we find in the story. Uh, you know, Jehoshaphat's son marrying Ahab's daughter. This was how they built mutual trust between different nations. Because now that the son of this nation has married the daughter of that nation, you've got no choice but to unite together. You now have no choice but to have each other's back. You now have no choice because you're bound in an obligation to serve the other. You see, whilst you might think that, man, Jehoshaphat is actually probably doing a good thing because, you know, the northern kingdom and southern kingdom, this potentially means that they could come together. But I mean, if you think about it, this looks like a moment when Israel could come together. But we will soon find out that this alliance that Jehoshaphat had with Ahab pulled him into a life-threatening situation. And so in making an alliance with the wrong people, things for Jehoshaphat got really rocky. It got unstable and it even got life-threatening. Let me ask you this morning, who or what are you aligning yourself to? Where in your life are you making alliances with something or someone other than God? Because to choose to align yourself to something other than God is to choose to align yourself with something that is not stable, something that will never last, something that is here today and gone tomorrow, something that is ultimately going to end. 
You cannot win the battle against discontentment by aligning yourself with wealth. You cannot win the battle against loneliness by aligning yourself with isolation. You cannot win the battle against bitterness by aligning yourself with addiction. You cannot win the battle against self-worth by aligning yourself with promiscuity. You cannot win the battle against anger by aligning yourself with negative thoughts. Be careful that in your efforts to try and win your battles in life, that you aren't making an alliance with something or someone other than God. Because just like Ahab, people will come to you and then they will urge you to join them. And they won't just come to you as an enemy, they'll come to you as a friend. Just like Ahab, they'll come to you as a friend, they'll come to you as a neighbor, they'll put on a feast for you. They'll celebrate with you, they'll butcher their sheep, their cattle and their goats in honor of you. They'll bring the best of the things, the, be the biggest pay deals, the, the mansions, the cars, the lifestyle, they'll do it all. They'll even put you in the place of honor as a means to coerce you into joining with them. They'll say things like, it's for a good cause. Do it for your family. It's going to make you somebody. It's going to get you out of that mess that you're in. They're good at pulling at the thing that will leave you feeling most vulnerable. And so if you're not careful, you're gonna find yourself aligning to the wrong belief and the wrong thing, and you'll eventually end up in a mess just like King Jehoshaphat did. This alliance almost cost him his life, and it also cost him the lives of many of his descendants. And so if you're here today and you realize that you've aligned yourself and partnered yourself with something other than God, I want you to know there is grace for you today. There is forgiveness for you today. There is hope for you today. You can never be too far from God for Him to save you. And so here's what you can do. Align yourself to God while you still can. Align yourself to God while you still can. How? by turning away from whatever it is that you've aligned yourself to and turning to God. The Bible calls that repentance. And that's what we must do, acknowledging where you've come out of alignment with God. Come to God with a repentant heart. Come before Him with godly sorrow and confess that we've stepped out of alignment. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. If you've aligned yourself to anything other than God, you need to know that God's grace and His forgiveness is available to you right now. Don't wait till next week to align yourself. Don't wait till tonight to align yourself. Don't wait till tomorrow to turn yourself to God. Align yourself to Him now, today. You will never be able to sort your life out on your own. Don't wait until you got your life sorted out. You can't do it on your own. Turn to Him now, today. Choose in your heart this very moment to come away from the alignment of the world that will lead to death and align yourself to God because it will lead to life. Turn to the person next to you and say, check your alignment. Check your alignment. Don't get offended. They're just, I told them to tell you to check your alignment. <laughs> Here's the second thing. The second thing is counsel. Counsel. And so Jehoshaphat has agreed to go into battle with the evil king Ahab. But before they do, they seek counsel. They seek advice. They're asking, should we go to this battle or should we not? And so the evil king Ahab calls on 400 false prophets. He brings them before them and they say, what is the word of the Lord? Tell us, should we go to this battle or should we not? And so they did. They came and tickled his ears. They told him exactly what he wanted to hear. They said, go into battle. You're going to be victorious. Jehoshaphat chimes in and says, 
Is there any other prophet of God who could give us the word of the Lord? And so the evil king Ahab says, well, there is one, but I, I don't really like him because every time he opens his mouth, nothing but negativity comes out. And so Jehoshaphat says, bring him. Don't, don't speak like that. Bring him to us. And so the prophet comes before him and he says, God has allowed for all of these prophets to tickle your ears and say exactly what you want to hear, but he's proclaimed disaster upon you. And so the evil king Ahab commanded for this guy to be locked up in prison. And this prophet said, if you come back in peace after this battle, then God has not spoken through me. Mark my words. Let me ask you today, who do you seek counsel from? Who do you go to for counsel? When life starts to get tough, when you're in the midst of a battle, when you're unsure about things in your life, who do you go to for counsel? Who do you talk to? The problem with the evil king Ahab was that what he wanted was not counsel, what he wanted was consensus. It's one thing to seek consensus, but it's another thing to seek counsel because consensus will let you have your way. Counsel will help guide you in the right way. Consensus is all about having a group of yes people around the table who will tell you what you want to hear. Counsel is about having different perspectives around the table who will help, help you to see things from different angles. Who do you seek counsel from? I guess a more pressing question to ask this morning is, how do you know if the counsel you're receiving is good counsel? Could I suggest to you that perhaps you should ask yourself these questions whenever you seek advice. Is it biblical? Does it lead to Christ-likeness? Is it grace-filled? Is this counsel or advice that I'm receiving, is it in line with the Word of God? Does this advice lead me to looking more like Jesus? Does this advice, uh, is it full of grace? That means you come away encouraged, uplifted, sometimes challenged, but loved. Good counsel doesn't leave you condemned. It will sometimes give you some truth, but it will do it in love. Don't be like Ahab and seek out consensus. Seek out counsel. If you don't know anybody that you could go to, go to God. Seek counsel through His Word. Seek counsel through prayer. Seek counsel through worship, through fasting, through the fellowship of believers. Why settle for the hand-me-down encouragements of Instagram and Facebook when you could go to the source of good counsel? You could go to God, the one who will teach you in the way that you should go. He will counsel you with His eye upon you. Tap the person in front of you and say, did you get that? Did you get that? I can ask Daniel to join me on the keys. <laughs> now get this, the Bible says that the evil King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat, they both went into battle to try and win back Ramoth Gilead. And as they did, the evil King Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, do you know what? I'm gonna disguise myself, um, but you wear your kingly robe. You wear your, you know, your, your kingly outfit and your royal outfit. You, you do that, but I'm going to disguise myself so that they can't notice me. And so they go into the battlefield, and the enemy were instructed to try and to kill this evil King Ahab. But when they got to the battlefield, the enemy thought that Jehoshaphat was Ahab because he was dressed in his kingly robe and his, and his, and his royal outfit. But as they got closer, Jehoshaphat said, I'm not Ahab. I'm not the king of Israel. And so the Bible says that as the enemy started to retreat, a soldier randomly shot an arrow towards the armies of Israel. And the Bible says it hit King, the evil King Ahab between the joints of his armor and he died. Not only was this alliance life-threatening for King Jehoshaphat, 
But we also read later down the line that the evil king Ahab's daughter, uh, who married Jehoshaphat's son, she tried to wipe out the rest of Jehoshaphat's descendants. And so then we come to the second battle that we read in our text this morning. Jehoshaphat has received word that the surrounding nations are waging war against him. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites have all declared war on Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah. The Bible says that King Jehoshaphat was terrified. He was filled with fear at the news of what was happening. And so here's what he does. He doesn't align himself with another king or another nation. He doesn't try to seek counsel from neighboring countries or any prophets. He fights differently. He battles differently. Because this time, he not only seeks the Lord's guidance, but he calls a fast over the entire kingdom of Judah. And so they all come together to seek the Lord's help. As they gather together, Jehoshaphat stands before the people in the courtyard of the temple, and he begins to pray. After he prayed, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon a man by the name of Jehaziel. And here's what he said. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. The Bible says that King Jehoshaphat bowed low on his face to the ground, and all of the people of Judah and Israel did the same. They worshiped the Lord. And so the next morning, our text says they got up and they began to make their way on down to the battlefield. On the way, Jehoshaphat stood before them and said, people of God, believe in God and believe in the prophets and you will succeed. And then he does the most unthinkable, most ridiculous thing ever. He sends the singers in front of the, of the army and he sends them out to lead the army of the Lord. At that very moment, the Bible says that the enemy got confused and the uh, and they started to destroy each other. And so when the army of the people of God got to the place where they were going to wage in war, they saw nothing but dead bodies. God had gone ahead of them and defeated the enemy. This is where I want to land the plane this morning. Because more than just aligning ourselves to God and seeking His counsel in every area of our, li of our lives, I believe that this year, God is calling us to fight differently that actually, uh, that actually our means for battle this year is to do nothing but stand. And I'm not talking about being stagnant. I'm not talking about plateauing. I'm not talking about being motionless. But I believe that God is calling Elam Manadua to wage battle this, uh, to wage and to battle this year by standing, by positioning ourselves in God. It's one thing to look like we're standing in God. But it's another thing to actually position ourselves in God. One leads to restlessness, the other leads to rest. The Bible says that when the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, 
he opened his mouth and said, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You see, the prophet had to bring a corrective word to the people of God. He said, do not fear, do not be dismayed. He had to correct their stance because the Holy Spirit, the battle is not yours, it's God's. Elam Christian Center Manurua, God got me here this morning to let you know that if you're gonna fight this year, then you gotta make sure that you've got the correct stance because we're about to fight differently in 2023. We're about to wage war differently in 2023. It's good to check your alignment and check your counsel, but if your stance ain't right, then you're gonna be battling the same old stuff. Let me ask you today, where are you standing? Woo, I feel the glory of the Lord in the place this morning. Some of you have grown weary in the fight. You are fighting for your marriage. You're fighting for your kids. You're fighting for your finances. You're fighting for your job, fighting for your health and your family and your joy and your peace. You're weary in the fight because of where you're standing. You're standing on your strength. You're standing on your knowledge. You're standing on your ability. If you're tired of fighting the same old way that you used to, then it's time to change your stance. You are going to need to position yourself in something outside of you. You're going to need to position yourself in something bigger than you. Actually, you're going to need to position yourself in God. And so you don't need to compare your capacity to your conflict no more because the battle has been taken off of your hands. It belongs to the Lord. Gone are the days where we used to rely on our programs to do the fighting for us. Gone are the days where we used to look to the man of God and the woman of God to do the fighting for us. Gone are the days where we used to rely on a Sunday expression of church to do the fighting for us. Gone are the days where we used to rely on eloquent words and persuasiveness to do the fighting for us. Gone are the days where we used to rely on our strength and our ability to do the fighting for us. I'm declaring the word of the Lord over this church today and I'm saying that in 2023, we will not even need to fight. We will take our positions and then we will stand and stand still and watch the Lord's victory because tomorrow we will go out into battle for the Lord is with us. To position ourselves in God is to seek His will above ours. To position ourselves in God is to trust God above all else. To position ourselves in God, church, is to follow his leading. The Bible says that there was peace in the kingdom of Jehoshaphat because God gave him rest on all sides. This sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole because you'll notice in the Bible, every time it seems like there's peace in the picture, war or conflict or battle was in the picture. Wherever there was peace in the Bible, there was also a story of a battle. Peace was often used in terms of military and warfare, and it's confusing because our idea of peace is silence. I want you to understand this morning that the peace that the Bible is talking about is not the absence of war. Peace is not silence or tranquility or serenity. These are all a small portion of what peace is in the Bible. But biblical peace is wholeness. It's completeness. It's fullness. And so you need to understand this morning that every time that you are choosing to make the decision to bring wholeness, to bring completeness, to bring biblical peace to any situation, you are choosing to actively engage in a battle and conflict. But here's the best part about it, because we can step into the battle with the utmost assurance that if we're gonna engage in battle for peace over our community, peace over our families, peace over our church, and peace over our nation, we're gonna do it differently. And here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it by positioning ourselves in God.